Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And if you like what Joe and I do, we have a social media program, The Frontline TV, The Frontline TV on YouTube, and we're all across social media. So wherever you find us, Please help us out, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Now, a lot of times um, on the show, I mean, we always talk about going into the breach, and to one degree or another, uh, we do, okay? We, we, we have conversations with a wide variety of people, usually authors, people who have written books. Uh, once in a while, we just want to have a conversation at the front line or in the breach um, about things that are important to us, not just as uh, Catholics, but also as Catholic Americans. And let me tell you something, Joe Resinello, you know, you say all the time on the show, like, and I know you've been to different parts of the world, whether it's Haiti and India, where, where you say, um, you know, if you really want to see poverty, okay, but not for anything, there's pockets in America where people, people are re in really, really bad shape. And the topic of this conversation is we're going to be talking about experiences from below the American poverty line, not just the people you see, let's say, for argument's sake, in Newark or Detroit or New York City, where they're struggling to get by. And they're, they're you know, they're, they, you, they are poor and we have to help them. We're talking about people who are really down and out. And a guy who, have, who we have had on this show before, a friend of the show, we are welcoming back, and that's Michael Grogan. Because if, if somebody's on the front line, there's a lot of people on the front line, they're in the breach, dealing with people who are below the poverty line. And like I said, and we'll get into it, really bad situations. Michael's one of them. Um, and you, many of you out there might recall our prior conversations with Michael. But having said that, a quick bio, uh, Michael Grogan has served the poorest of the poor, living amongst them on the streets of the Bronx, uh, up in the South Bronx, now in Philadelphia for many years. Michael is legally blind, yet in so many ways, his vision is clearer and broader than, than many of ours. So we want to make, we want to welcome Michael back to the show to have what we believe is a very important conversation and catch us up uh, on what he's doing in his ministry down there. So Michael Grogan, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thanks, Joe and Joe. God bless you guys. God is so good. And uh, and even the Lord does hear the cry of the poor. I can tell you from down in the pits that the Lord hears our cry and is merciful and good. Absolutely, Amen. all the time. Joe Resinello. Uh, we always start with a prayer, Michael, to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, our most precious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. 
name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, as my partner Joe Pasillo said, we had Michael on before, and we talked a lot about what he was doing in the Bronx. And just as uh, we did that interview, he just moved to Kensington, which is a little hamlet outside of Philly. And it's funny, Mike, I, I, I had a roommate, believe it or not, uh, 20 years ago when I lived in Hoboken, who was from Kensington. He was older than me. He was our neighbor. He was a trader. Uh, and he, we needed a roommate and he moved in. He came from a big Irish family, working class family, and they lived in Kensington. And he told me about the city, the plight of the city since his family had moved out. And then Michael moved there. Uh, so give us a little background for those who may not know what Kensington PA is all about and how that heroin epidemic there has devastated the neighborhood. Sure. Well, I, I lived in the South Bronx and worked with gang members and young people in the streets for over 20 years. And I thought I was working with the poorest of the poor. And, and there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of poverty in the South Bronx. I thought I was in the roughest neighborhood that I could possibly be in in the country. And let me tell you, um, Kensington makes the South Bronx look like Park Avenue in Manhattan. The, 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 it is third world here. The level of poverty... I've never seen anything like it in the United States. And I've, I've, I've been around the country. I've been, and I always go to the worst cities. You know, in the spirit of Mother Teresa, you know, when, when I went out to California, we were in Los Angeles and they said, do you want to see Hollywood? Do you want to see the Hollywood sign? I said, I want to see Compton. So, you know, all these people are now taking me to Compton and Compton was pretty ghetto, but still I've never seen anything like what I've seen in Kensington. Um, on the street I live on, Emerald Street, which is a pretty, I, I, pretty decent block, to, 11 people have been shot since I moved in in just a little over. Um, just, we're just entering into the third year now. It's, uh, to me, I, I, I don't know, Michael. It, everybody's got a solution out there. It's like so you listen to politicians. You listen to people in the news media. It's like, how could we allow this to happen? Do you know if I was Dante, if I was writing the 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 new the new inferno okay do you know do you know who i put in the lowest pit of hell okay those who allow drugs to come into this country those who benefit from it okay um and you know that people do that's not that's not some you know that's not some you know statement i'm just making off the top of my head people allow politicians people who are bribed corrupt leaders okay they allow this and they know it and they see the devastation this is an abstraction to a lot of people Somebody who's addicted to drugs, most people don't know people who are addicted to drugs, I think, okay? Now, I could be wrong about that. I don't have the statistics, okay? But it's real. And the, 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 the destruction of human life that we see, talk about how, how, like, what you see, how human beings, like, the, the level to which they could sink because of drugs and, and the fact that these drugs flow. And let me tell you something. Nobody wants to do a damn thing about it because it's a political issue, but it has such a devastating effect on people's lives. I know that's a little bit of a rant, Michael, but, but comment on that, please. Because like I said, there are people that know exactly what's going on. They benefit from it. People die every day, okay, over drugs, whether it's gangs or whether it's just people who are taking drugs and ODing. And I don't think people really want to do a damn thing about it or they don't care. Right. Well, um, just yesterday we were out. Um, I, once a month I go out into the streets to um, – to give food to the homeless. Most of my ministry is with the family and with gang members in the, in the neighborhood. But once a month we go out to the homeless and we go 
to the homeless who live underneath the overpasses and the tunnels and the bridges, um, because a lot of people kind of help the homeless along the main street, but the ones in underneath the overpasses and in kind of more secluded areas. When you go to these tunnels, there are, you know, 50 or 60 people living, lying in their own feces, lying in their own urine, with garbage pails with fires in them, sticking needles, finding veins right in front of you, finding veins in each other's necks, in each other's legs. There are people lying um, in, 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 in a complete stupor. You're not knowing whether they're dead or alive. Um, people that have been caught in addiction for years, they, maybe they started with Oxycontin or Percocets or a prescription, and then the prescription ran out. They couldn't get it. They went to the streets. They paid a lot to get the Percocets and the Oxycontins in the streets. They found out heroin was cheaper, and bam, they were hooked. Well, there are people out there with trauma that have been abused physically, mentally, sexually. They've had a horrible life. They can't deal with the pain. They start with marijuana. No matter what they say, it is the gateway drug. Not one person in those tunnels didn't start with marijuana. Not one. They all started with weed and worked their way up. And I can tell you, I have seen it. Ambulances come up and down my block all the time. They come back and forth all the time. Most of the time they're coming because somebody is overdosed. And we have people in my neighborhood who are dying. It's no over-exaggeration at all to say we have multiple people every day within a two-mile radius of where I live who are dying or overdosing on heroin, on fentanyl. These drugs are coming in from the border, which is just wide open. People walk in. People are trafficked in. Fentanyl is coming in. Drugs are coming in. Everybody's making a ton of money. And I see people dying in the streets. And these are people who the rest of society, these are the modern day lepers of society, the heroin addicts. They've been written off. And, and sometimes with good reason, sometimes the family just can't help them. They've stolen, they've, they've abused, they've lied. They'll do anything to get the drug. They're destitute, they're in poverty, they're in rags. Not only are they stealing from their families, they're stealing from each other. I meet so many homeless people in the street who are addicted to heroin. They're living such a hellish life. I say, well, don't you have a coat? I had one last night. I woke up. It was stolen and my phone was in it. My ID was in it. I have no contacts. I can't contact my family. Um, and this is an everyday life. It's a living hell every single day. And not only is it, you know, it's, it's, it's crystal meth. It's whatever is coming in. in. In my neighborhood, it's the heroin capital of the world, or at least of this country. And I can tell you that people here can get a hit of heroin for three bucks it's dirt cheap, and that's why people come from all over the place to come here, and they never leave here. And I've seen parents, fathers and mothers, come with pictures of their children. They say, my, my child's an addict. They, you know, I, I heard they were in Kensington. Have you seen them? Have you seen them? Some of them never see or hear from their children again because of this addiction. These people die. They overdose. Or many of the girls prostitute themselves in order to get the next hit of drugs. And bad things happen when that happens. It is a living hell down here for so many people. And what I do when we go out, we bring them a little sandwich and, and, and maybe some toiletries or a pair of socks. But then the most important thing that I do is I go out with a, breast, uh, a blessed brown scapular of the Blessed Mother. And it says on the front of that scapula, whosoever. So I'm saying, okay, anybody that I give this to is a whosoever. So they're qualified, check. Whosoever dies clothed in this garment will not suffer the eternal flames. 
And so I know that many of the people, we don't just put the scapular in their hand. I say, I know your mother must be so heartbroken for you. And many of them get teary-eyed. And I know that she wishes she could be with you and help you. But you know you have a heavenly mother who loves you and who can be with you and help you. Would you mind if I gave you this brown scapula? I'd like to put it around your neck. And 99% of them say yes. I put it right around their neck. Many of them are already in a stupor. I know for a fact that there have been people that I've given that brown scapula to who have overdosed with the brown scapula on. And I know that Our Lady is good on her promises. So if you're a father or a mother and your child is an addict, just know that God is sending people into the breach. God is sending people in to minister to them. And I always tell them, the people in the tunnels that I meet, I say, you know, I'm coming not just to give you a sandwich and a pair of socks, but this is your heavenly father who's winking, who's saying, I still got your back. I still love you. I still want you. There's still hope. There's still that ray of hope. Somebody would come to a tunnel. A blind guy would come into a tunnel to bring you this because Jesus loves you. There's still a little bit of hope. I said, when I'm here to let you know that God is winking at you, that you've captured God's eyes, that he's not finished with you yet. The story's not over yet. And they cry and I pray with them and it's beautiful. Well, Michael, Michael Grogan joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing his experiences below the poverty line in America, in the breach. Michael's been doing this for a number of years, both in the South Bronx for the last three years or so in Kensington, PA. Uh, Michael, guaranteed, guaranteed, they're not hearing those words from, from, from anybody except you. And that's why you're right. God has sent you there. You found your mission. Most people are still looking for theirs. You found yours, brother, because, listen— if you save one soul, you help to save 10 souls. I mean, you're, you're, you literally are doing God's good work. Joe Resinello. Michael, I think it's important to stress that a lot of these folks that are addicted to heroin, it, it cuts across all economic classes. I think it's, it's, it's important to stress that. And why do I say that? Because I think a lot of times people, sadly, but it's just reality, and I'm going to say it, people write people off who are poor, who are minorities. They do. They just simply do. That happens there. And then it doesn't happen here. But that's not the case with heroin right now. When Michael said it starts off with pills, Oxycontin, and then it, it, it goes to heroin because it's cheaper. I say that because um, where I used to commute in Rutherford, New Jersey, which is an upper middle class town, um, one of the guys I commuted with for like 10 years, his daughter's boyfriend from that town who's basically came from a very successful building family construction family he died at like 18 or 19 of heroin and in a town like that you just don't usually connect that but this is happening everywhere talk about that because i i hate to say it but people a lot of times they hear stories like this and they immediately write the people up oh that'll never happen to my kid that'll never happen in this town that's not true well let me share something with you very interesting 90 percent of the people that i encountered yesterday were caucasian i went up to them i said are you irish they said how'd you know i said i know you're irish they're all Irish and Italian, and they're all on heroin, and they're buying from the minorities, who many of whom are not using, except for marijuana. And so it's very interesting. I met a, I met a man, and, I, and I, I gave him a miraculous medal of the Blessed Mother, and I told him how much Our Lady loved him, and he was crying, and he was 
he was on crystal meth. He was shaking. He was just, he couldn't stop moving. He was from Princeton, New Jersey. I looked at the guy and I could see him in my mind's eye in a suit running a corporation. He did not fit in. You know, one of these things is not like the other. One of these things does not belong. He was in the wrong place, but drugs brought him to a bad place. So these are people from middle and upper class and wealthy families. Let me tell you, you could come from a millionaire family. You come into Kensington, somebody robs your phone, your backpack, you need the next high. In three days, you'll be stealing televisions. You'll, you'll be eating out of garbage pails if you're lucky. Some of these people aren't even eating. They're so skinny. I said, you need to eat. You need to eat. They, but they, they want the drug. They don't want to eat. So these are not just poor people from the ghetto. These are rich and middle class people who have come because they've lost everything. They've stolen everything. They've burned all their bridges. And this is the last stop. And after here, the only other place there is is the cemetery. And many of them won't even make it to the cemetery because they'll just die and end up in Potter's Field or cremated or nobody will claim the bodies. These people will die without IDs, without a phone, without a name. They'll, they'll say, what was his name? I just knew him as Spider. Everybody just knew him on the street as Spider. That's all they know. So Michael this is Grogan. what happened. Michael Grogan joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Michael, let me ask you a question. We're not, the three of us, we're not, we're not PhDs. We're not doing sociological studies, okay? But we have eyes to see, all right? And we're listening to you and everything you're describing, all right? That's Kensington, that's Newark, that's the South Bronx, that's Detroit, Chicago. These kids are killing each other, okay, in Chicago. A lot of that has to do with drugs, too, even though we only hear about the guns part. Mike... Just from a layman's perspective, what do we do to slow this down? Because I, quite frankly, I'm tired. I'm tired of listening to to all the BS on TV about we, we about the drugs. And 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 I'll I'll leave you with this. I'll segue into uh, the, the the question this way. What? Why do we allow them? And what I mean by them is political leaders, both on the state level and the federal level. Why do we allow them to convince everybody that, as you said earlier, marijuana is not a is not a gateway drug and we should just go ahead and legalize it? And it's not going to stop there. It's going to go up and up and up. But then you hear stories like this. You get addicted to these things. OK, right. people get addicted. Doesn't matter where you're from. OK, but we allow them to do that. I, I guess my question is, my given all that, can we do anything to slow this down? Um, can, dare I dare I ask? Can we do anything to stop it? Is there a solution? Yes, you can vote with a Catholic conscience, and make sure you go on voting day, on election day, to a booth, not no mail-ins, and make sure you go and you vote the politician that is going to reflect the teachings of Jesus Christ. Make sure you vote for politicians that are going to respect life from conception to death, because those same politicians that respect life from conception to death respect everything in between, which means they don't want people on drugs, which means we want people to come in to the country. We want people to come in. We want them to come in properly, not just freely, so that drugs and children and women are not trafficked into this country because those drugs are coming up to Philadelphia and killing the people that I'm stepping over to give a sandwich and a scapula to. So these political uh, agendas that these people have, and by the way, um, th th this is not immigration, it's an invasion. It's an organized invasion. That's what this is, to take down America. And I don't want to get too political here. I'm, I'm sure everybody everybody that's watching this is, is on the same page, and we all know what we're talking about. And we have to pray for our selected, oh, 
Oh, elected, selected, elected. It's up to you. I say selected officials. And we have to pray that God will break this cabal that's happening throughout the world. And I know it's another topic, brother, but there is a demonic cabal happening, and the effects of it are out on the streets of Philadelphia, out on the streets of Chicago, where people are dying because of what these people's wicked, satanic, and it's flat-out satanic agenda is. They're not politicians. They're Luciferian Satanists, and we need to get them out. They need to go. Vote, Michael Grogan. Pray, vote, pray, vote. Michael Grogan, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Quick, quick uh, story I remember from years ago when Father Karapi was a badass Father Karapi before he became Father Karapi. No, but he told a story. And I, I'm sorry. I know he had his issues later on. I believed everything he said. He was instrumental in my revert or my beginning to practice my faith again. He told a story about when he was out in L.A. Um, and again, he was not living a very Catholic life lifestyle. And he said he was hooked up with some people. Right. And one drug dealer brought him to go and pick up his shipment of drugs, he brought along a, a quote-unquote priest of the black mass. He was an Iranian drug dealer to set to, 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 to preside over a black mass to, to curse the drugs to make them more addictive. The drug dealer wanted to make sure, uh, invoke this satanic thing, whatever you want to call it, to make the drugs more addictive. Why? Because anybody who wants to sell something wants somebody to come back and buy more so that they get rich. Well, how do you do that? Get them hooked. Just a quick story. Uh, Joe Racinello. Mike, a while ago, we interviewed someone from the Chinacolo community. Um, it's it's a Catholic outreach. Uh, it's, it's around the world. They have um, some folks, I believe, in Alabama, as well as in Florida, that deal with drug addicts. And basically, uh, Mother Elvera, who started, she's an Italian nun, who started this, this movement of the Holy Spirit, basically... Um, says that a lot of these guys and gals that are addicted, they're basically looking for Christ, but they're just looking in the wrong place. They have a hole inside of them, a hurt. Um, and I want to take it from this angle. The people that you meet, I mean, people who are basically, because heroin is a painkiller. Let's be honest. It's it, You're numbing yourself. And there's there's a reason why healthy people aren't looking to numb themselves. Like I might have a couple beers on a Saturday, but there's a big difference between having three beers and shooting up. You know, um, is this something that this void or this hurt, uh, something that Christ and his church can solve? Because I think it can. I think, you know, Christ is the divine physician. And I think people are looking for the wrong solution to problems. You, what are your thoughts and experiences with that? Because I'm sure you talk to these people. The, the, the drug um, creates a euphoria. Um, they're looking for a religious experience. And I would submit to our listeners and our viewers that these people are looking to have an encounter with the living God. Not... A, moment, a, a catechetical instruction. That's not an encounter. They want to meet him. They want to experience him. They want to taste him. They want him. And they bought the counterfeit. The devil likes to counterfeit. He counterfeits ecstasy, like the ecstasy of the saints, with ecstasy, the ecstasy of the streets, right? The devil is a counterfeiter. He sees that what God does is work, and then he counterfeits it. And so it is up to us 
the people of God, the baptized people of God, the confirmed people of God, the people that have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of Michael Grogan and Joe and Joe and everybody out there listening. If you're in grace and you're connected, you're not a weak, wimp, impotent wimp. You have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and you can go out into the streets and you can take somebody who's spiritually dead and raise them up if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, but you don't. And that's why you sit on your couches. But if you want to change the city, if you want to change the country, if you want to change the neighborhood, you got to move into some bad places. You got to go onto the front line. You got to go out into the breach. You got to put all your excuses and your fear away. And you got to carry the encounter, the resurrection encounter that you've had with the Jesus who suffered and died and rose again, who lives in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope. So if you're not bringing him, not just, you know, like, here's a divine mercy card. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, when I go out with people, I pray with them. I'm not telling them about Jesus. I'm bringing them to him. I'm taking my hand, putting it on their head, and letting the lightning come down. Ow! They need to have that resurrection power, that experience, that revelation that comes from the people of God who are living their faith. We got to move in faith. I'm not saying I do it well all the time because I don't, and I struggle. But I'm out here, I'm working with gang members, I'm working with kids covered in tattoos, they got tattoos on their neck, on their face, they're smoking weed, they're selling drugs, they're doing the wrong thing, they got guns in their cars, and now they're coming to my house to pray. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. They want the experience, they want the encounter, they want the love, they want the passion. And it's not just Michael Grogan, I'm a weakling, I'm a nothing, but Christ in me, he can do it, I just say yes. Michael, let me ask you a question. All right. We're in the breach here with with Michael Grogan. We're talking about the, you know, those living in America below the poverty line. But obviously, obviously, we're talking about the, 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 the main problem in these areas is the drugs and nobody doing a damn thing about it. But, Mike, let's let's talk a little bit. You know, you brought up the devil. So let's 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 stay on the evil one for a second. I think the problem is addiction across the board is what's being sold. This is a this is a problem of a lack of Jesus Christ, particularly in America, and the younger generation and people you're describing who you encounter on the streets of Kensington. Okay, let me say they're addicted to drugs, but the addictions are being sold on a number of different levels. Pornography is another one. People don't realize that when they're watching pornography, they're addicted. There's 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 a chemical that is released in the body when you watch pornography. It is a it becomes a physical addiction. Okay, then there's the drugs. Then there's and then there's there there's uh, consumerism. There's all these things that are being sold to us as goods. Okay, they're good things. In the meantime, they do nothing but put chains on you. Okay, and we need as Catholic men in particular to make that message to get that message out there because that resonates. I work with a young man who has just for the last ninety days given up drugs. Now he's not a he's a stoner. I guess that's what we guys like us would have called this kid a stoner back in the day. All right. So he gets high. He watches porn. He masturbates, has sex with girls. OK, um, he, he he is. And he told me he was giving all of it up for 90 days. And God bless this kid. He did. OK, he went. He, he, he said, I, I got to get rid of this stuff. And we had conversations about addiction. Michael, talk about the fact that these that all these things are being promoted as goods. We as Catholic men need to say, no, these are the handcuffs, the chains. That, that the powers that be, this is what the type of man or woman they want you to be, destroyed and in the street, 
Okay. Now we have about a minute and a half before the break. Start there, Michael, and we'll pick it up on the other side of the break. I was on a prayer team with a priest who did an exorcism, and the woman who uh, and the woman who needed to be delivered had about eleven spirits in her, and many of them came in because of sexual experiences that she had had. They came in while she was having sex outside of marriage. They, that was the entryway. All of these things lead to demonic strongholds that then need to be broken. And sometimes these things can even become generational cur curses. And the only answer is the precious blood of Jesus, the Holy Eucharist, the sacraments, can, a great confession, and Our Lady. And these are the things that set the people free, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, whether it's masturbation, whatever it is, all of these addictions are strongholds, and they will keep us from entering into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And as long as we're stuck in that, as long as we know people who are stuck in that, we have work to do. Some, maybe some people that are on this are struggling with their own addictions. Michael, 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 let, let's leave it there one second. You're going to pick that thought up on the other side of the break here with the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, welcoming back a friend of the show, Michael Grogan, who is in the trenches in Kensington. And he's dealing with stuff. He sees it face to face. And he literally, literally, I know people overuse that word, but we're not. He literally is bringing Jesus to the poorest of the poor, particularly those who are addicted. This is a great and important conversation. Stick around with the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Michael Grogan, and we are talking about his experiences from below the American poverty line. Mike, before the uh, uh, towards the end of the uh, the break, or before the break, uh, you were talking about uh, bringing the precious blood that's going to break these addictions. Talk, just recap, Mike, about the the kinds of addictions there are out there. There are no such thing as innocuous addictions. If you're addicted to something, that means something else is the center of your life rather than Jesus Christ, okay? And those are the bonds that have to be broken. Go ahead, Mike. You can be addicted. Well, you can be addicted. We know pornography. We know, we know sexual addictions. We know drug addictions, smoking, marijuana, drinking. But, you know, you can be addicted to shopping. You can be addicted to yourself, looking at yourself all the time. All of these things need to be broken. And that's why we call upon the precious blood of Jesus. That's why we trade chains we take the fetters of the addiction off and take the chain of the rosary and bind ourselves to our blessed mother. And she takes us out of the, the sight, out of the presence of the evil one. She takes us out of the darkness and into the light. And so that's, that's really what my mission here in Kensington is, to pray with the people, particularly what I do every week, what I do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, is I have young people who have been selling the drugs to the people in the streets who have dropped out of school, who are in gangs, who have guns, who have been involved with violence, many of whom have criminal records, some of them have been homeless, and I allow them in to where I live, and we have prayer groups. We pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. We sing and do praise and worship. We consecrate ourselves to Our Lady, and now they're going to start to do night prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours, if you can believe that. They love to sing. <laughs> Michael, I can't Michael even Grogan. believe that. Like, it's the craziest thing. Like, honest to God, that uh, talk nuts. about that because I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. 
like I, I mean, not the like people in the, in the suburbs don't do that. Never mind people who are living, you know, basically a hellish existence with tattoos on their cheeks. You know, like I, I think that's just amazing, really. And it goes to show how God uses people and to what you were saying about saying yes. You know, we just put boundaries upon God. We really do. We're, we're afraid. People, and I'm not saying everyone has to do what you're doing. It's not about that because we're all different. We all have something to do. But we all have situations where we could be courageous in our world, in our workplace, in our family, in our house. But we just don't. And that's why the world is the way it is. You know, I'll tell you, I think, and I'm interested in both your comments. When we face the Lord, obviously, he's going to judge us. But I actually think he's going to show us what we could have done. You know, a lot of times we say like, oh, I can't do this or not. Again, not everyone's meant to do what you do, but he's going to show us what we could have done with exactly what he gave us. You know, people always make excuses. I'm not rich. I don't have time. I can't do this. I can't do this. No. Right where you are listening to me, you could do something amazing. But we're afraid. We're afraid. And we don't. And I think when we are judged by all the things we've done, as well as the good things, he's going to say, do you realize that if you said yes to me. This is what you could have done. What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that's true. I I know it's true. Jesus said it's true. The, the, the first thing, I'm, I'm going to say a couple of things. I, I have a young man. He's 18 years old. He's homeless. He stays here. He's, he's not homeless anymore. He's got a home. He works. He goes to school. He prays twice a week. And I have people that from the streets that come in and they pray. And they love to pray. They love God. They want to have the encounter with God. God's bringing the goodness that is within them out of them. And people aren't called, not everybody's called to move to Kensington or the South Bronx or to Calcutta. But every single person listening to this is called to live a generous life of love. And generosity doesn't mean $2 in the basket and a holy hour once a week, and I go to Mass on Sunday, and I'm a nice person. That ain't going to cut it. Um, you'll be in purgatory for a while. So let me help you to get there quick, okay? It's, I'll tell you what Jesus said. It, the, he watched the people giving money in the temple. He wasn't impressed with the rich guy that put in a wad of cash. He was impressed with the little woman that gave most of what she had. So when people say, I'm not rich, it's a cop-out. So I'm not rich, but then they go out and they go out to a restaurant a couple of times a week and they go to a movie. No, you're not rich, but you go into a restaurant, you go, you could sacrifice. You know, um, I have a lot of people here that give clothes. Now, we have people that give beautiful clothes and we have people here that give clothes that that are garbage. I have, you know, I've seen how people give. Some people give brand new with the tags on. Some people give good stuff that's just been used a little bit it's not that bad and some people give stuff that smells like we got a blanket once that reeked of feet and armpits and it was horrible i said this is going to cost me more money to launder this i don't know i don't have the money now i got to get somebody to donate the money to launder this gigantic <laughs> comforter you know and people think oh well, it's for the homeless it's garbage i'll just give it to him or um 
people give food and you see how people give you see the people you know you you we I watch because Jesus watched people give and I and I see how people give to the poor and I see who gives generously and who doesn't give so who gives just to make themselves feel better to assuage their conscience you know um I I always tell people they say well what can I do I I notice people want to give food and they want to give clothes and they want to give blankets. And I say, but I pay my rent with money. I, I can't pay my rent with a thousand Goya beans cans. I wish I could. It would be great. But I need cash. And people are afraid to give their money. And I always, I heard a talk once by a preacher and he said, God is going to judge us on three things. And I thought this was a great summary on how we spent our time. Woo, that's a big one. How do you spend your time? How much time do you give to the Lord every day in prayer? How much time do you give to others, not just to the people that you like being with? How much time do you give in, in volunteering, giving you talents? So Lord's going to judge us. And I always spend our time. The Lord is going to judge you. Oh, listen up. You're not going to like this. You're going to turn the channel. You're going you're, you're to leave the breach. You're going to walk away from the front line. This is going to hurt. He's going to judge you on how you spend your money. Every dollar, you should see a soul. Do you see a soul when you look at that dollar? This can buy a, a scapula. This can buy a rosary. This can buy, get a kid into a retreat who wasn't on a retreat. This can get somebody up the street. Or do you see my second house, my third car, my next vacation, my fourth trip to the Holy Land this year? Oh, you think that's holy? How about you sacrifice one trip and the money that goes for that trip you give to some charitable organization, like the Franciscans of the Renewal or the Missionaries of Charity or Michael Grogan Ministries, please. Connectwithheaven.org. Follow, so we'll follow, up, with that, follow up with that real quick, Mike, because you said earlier, not everybody could do what you do, but there are those who could support you. So where can uh, our audience members support you? Connectwithheaven.org. Because that's, that's easy enough. Yep, connect people with heaven. So connectwithheaven.org. But hey, Michael, you know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to say they're going to be judged on how they spend their time, how they spend their money, and on how they spend their sexuality. Did they wait? Did they do it in accordance with the will of the Lord? And I think those three things, if you if you want to prepare for judgment, those are the three things you should be looking at every day. I agree with you. And what you're talking about there is sacrifice. You see, that's a dirty word. And, and this is something we drive home on this show. White, not everyone's going to be nailed to a tree like Jesus, but everyone in heaven died to themselves. Whether you're single, whether you're in a religious life or in an order, or you're married. And God is going to view that, just what you're talking about. All those things require sacrifice. And that is how. You strive to live a holy life, and you're not going to fake that because when you do that, God fills you with the Holy Spirit, right. and that's what we're seeing with what you're doing. Joe, and let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I want, I'd like your comments, uh, both of you, okay? So, But, Joe, would you agree that that, that comes with developing virtuous habits? See, when we're, talk, when we're talking about addictions— we're talking about the developments of really bad habits, okay? Now, that could be something that most people would think is innocuous, watching too much TV, watching too much Fox News, watching too much CNN, okay? This is just how bad habits develop. 
So what people have to do is, because it's not easy for somebody to just drop something like this, but to start to develop, I think Aquinas said you have to develop virtuous habits. That's how you're growing older. You start to spend that time the right way, Michael Grogan. You start to spend your money the right way. But again, that takes a little bit of time. I love both of your comments on that because we have to just try to compel people, look, not all the lights are going to be green before you start doing something, okay? But start. But, start. you know, I think I agree with you, but I think that's a consequence of, of the the nexus of the issue. You have to have an encounter with God. No, no, that's where I was the, going, This Joe. is – you see, like habits are basically like an athlete. I could be a marathon runner. I ran for 17 years. I ran six days a week, religiously ran. That's a habit that has nothing to do with with God. It has everything to do with developing discipline. When you encounter God and he's real, like we've interviewed uh, the gentleman talking about Charles de Foucault. Here's a guy who is a decadent animal. He goes to confession. He changes his whole life because he had an encounter. You see, God isn't real to people. We have to make him real. When you know God's real, dude, it's on. But Joe, it, that's that—that that was my point because because uh, uh, right, and that's what that's what Michael Michael Grogan joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. That's what Michael's doing. See, it's again, it's one thing to, to preach to somebody and say, "Hey, you got to change your life." But as you say on the show all the time, Joe and Michael, I'm sure you're going to agree with this. People can react to your words. I'm not saying that the words are not important. They have to get a message, okay? But the first message they see is, well, listen, jerky, how are you living your life? You're telling me I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do that. But are you striving to grow in holiness? Are you praying the rosary? Are you like, like, that's what people, what people see us do is going to be the first mode of evangelization. Well, who are you? And Michael, let's be let's be real, okay? You're a legally blind citizen say, of America. Mike's a blind guy living in the hood. That, that's right. Who, that's living in the hood. Is. You're praying when you're praying the rosary with gang members. Living in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> you're walking in the streets of Kensington, okay? Uh, you, you you know you're you're you know you're you're, put, you're putting it on the line, and you're showing people why they should listen to you because they see what you're doing. And I think that applies. I think that's what Joe was talking about. We in our own lives, if I want to evangelize somebody to come into the Catholic Church, well, they better damn well look at my life and see something worth living. Okay. Right. So, so please, Mike, your comments on that. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 all about it's all about how you how you live it. You know, I I was speaking to a group of kids in a high school um, through Zoom. And uh, and I said to them, I, I, I started reading the New Testament and trying some of the stuff out. Like, I didn't just read it. Like, I did it. Like, I okay, give to everyone who asked from you. I like, I did that. You know, when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. Like, I went, and I tried it. And it, it, it was awesome. And then I got addicted to that, right? So being addicted to, to living out the word of God. Because, you know, when, when you live this out, your life will never be boring. I'll tell you that. Your life will never be boring. Like, take something that you hear in the Sunday gospel and try it. Do it. You know, yeah. that, that's what this is all about. Like, not just, you know, it, it's not just like, oh, that's a nice idea. That's a nice concept. No, like, actually go and do what he said. You know, go and, 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 and be a generous giver. Be a generous lover. Be a generous prayer. Um, just be generous. Just pour yourself out before God and before others. And when you pour yourself out, Jesus pours himself in so that you never run out. You never run out. Michael, let me, let me pick up on that real quick. 
um, and I say this from my own experience, okay? Because we all have, on one level or another, we all have those things which we are addicted to. I've always thought of it this way. The addiction is something that in your mind and in your heart you believe you cannot live without. So, like, I I, I struggle with, with cigarettes, okay? In other words, it's like, I, in my mind, I have to get in my head, and I'm just using that example to say, I have to imagine my life without that addiction, okay? Mo uh, many, with many people, it's pornography, or many people, have, unfortunately, because there's also the physical component, it's drugs, okay? Don't we have to just get in our minds, I can't live without Jesus Christ? I know it sounds simple, but the grace of, the grace of the sacraments of the Catholic Church are there for you. Like you said earlier, you're one. Joe says it on the show all the time. You're one confession away from changing your life. Okay, we have to get in our heads. The addiction is to Christ. In other words, that's the thing we have to think in our minds. He is the thing we have to think in our minds. We cannot live without. Talk about that, the two of you. I love both of your comments on that. That's reality. I mean, we can't live without God. I mean, like, like to be honest with you, I mean, any person that's that's trying to do trying to do what God tells him or her to do knows that. I mean, I can't take care of five kids and my wife without God. I can't. I know it. I can't be open to life without God. I know it. I mean, we have to stick our neck over the precipice. We don't want to do it. We don't want mm -hmm. to do it because it's not comfortable. Jesus did not live a comfortable life. You know, my wife and I talk about this all the time, and we're talking about the experiences below the poverty line. When Jesus Christ comes back, and he is going to, the power structures of the world are turning upside down in a way that it's going to be horrifying to many people. The last will be first, and the first will be last. The great and reset. That is the reset <laughs> of all resets. And I think of, I'll tell you, one of the most interesting people I have ever met in my life was a homeless man that I knew from my town. He came from a very wealthy family, and he just had some mental issues, and he lived on the street. And I'll never forget when I went to his funeral. All these stately guys, his cousins, they showed up, Boston College, Georgetown, Holy Cross on the back of their cars, tall. Daly was a tall guy, good-looking guy, and the priest didn't know what to say. And and there was these these like stately-looking people who were successful and homeless people. That's who was in the church. And the priest said, I don't know what to say about this guy. And he gives the microphone to this homeless woman, Clara, who's still on the street. I saw her on Sunday with my kid. I, I'll be honest, I cried. He was like, she was like, it was winter. And he let me sleep on his floor in the house. That's who's in heaven. That's who's going to heaven. Like I, that was one of the most impactful things I've ever heard a human being say. It was cold and he let me stay in my house. It made me and it revealed to me how I'm not living God's word. And this is what we have to be mindful of. We think we're all good. We're good? Really? I'll be honest with you. And this is what we have to strive for, because when Christ comes back, the last will be first 
and the first will be last. And Mother Teresa used to say this, it's the poor who will defend me at the gates of heaven. Michael Grogan joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach. We're talking about living below the poverty line in Kensington, Pennsylvania. Michael's legally blind. He's living in Kensington, evangelizing, helping people, helping them to help themselves, bring in the grace of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Mike, let me ask you this. Um, what's a, uh, Just on the one level locally, what's available to some of these people, like as far as public assistance? On a practical level, they're on the street, they're homeless, they're addicted, all right? What's Is there anything uh, outside of what you're doing? Obviously, what you're doing is the most important thing. Is there anything available for these people in, in the form of public assistance, a shelter, anything that's there to help them in any way? Yes, there are shelters and Catholic charities and soup kitchens and places that give out meals. Um, uh, but because of the addiction, a lot of the, the homeless shelters won't let people in who are who are addicted or they get kicked out or they or the it's actually sometimes safer for people on the streets than it is in the shelters, believe it or not. So uh, it, it, it's kind of a, a bad cycle here. The solution is not in flesh and blood. It, it is it is a life in the spirit. And it is it, it really is. Um, Helping people to helping these people to 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 change their addiction, a mind shift, a heart shift, and so I work with the drug dealers because if I can get a drug dealer off the street, that saves fifteen drug addicts. That you know decreases their chance of buying something that's going to kill them. That's going to kill somebody's mother, somebody's brother, sister, father, or whatever the case may be. You mentioned father Michael Grogan. Let me ask you this. Um... Are a lot of a lot of the people that you run into? Do you do you find that? I mean, we all know fatherlessness in America is a, is a problem. Okay, um, look, people have issues with good parents. Right? They have even worse issues without a, without especially a good strong male presence. Okay, is fatherlessness um, something that you encounter? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, no, can hear you fine. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, no, nobody here knows their dad. The dad is either male <laughs> or dead or on drugs. And this is the most important thing. If I came to Kensington, it, I came for one thing. I have one message. It's one message. It's very, very simple. And the message is this. I'm here because I know who your father is. And he sent me to bring you back to his house. And his name is Abba. His name is Daddy. And he's soft. And he's tender. And he's good. And he wants you. And he still wants you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Come home. Let's make the return. Your father is waiting. I know who he is. I know where he lives. I'm here to bring you home. Absolutely. And, and that is that has to resonate. That has to resonate with people. I mean, and there's so much of this discussion is centered around drugs because drugs just like it's one thing, Mike, when you when you put yourself in chains, like, again, when you talk about the pornography and things like that, but the drugs themselves between the physical addiction and the addiction on so many other levels, it's just pure evil. And we got to find a way to stop it. Joe Resinello, we probably have time for one or two more questions. Mike, I, I'll be honest, because I always try to, like, step back and, and, like, think about what people are thinking when they hear this conversation. Um, I mean, they could say, well, why are you doing this? Why you? clearly God has impacted you. I mean, he's impacted me, to be honest with you. Uh, why, how, and why? Because I think I say that because people could write you off. You're a kook. 
You're a kook. He has an agenda. No, he doesn't. You see, God is real. And when God enters your life, you change. You're not the same person. You're not the same person. I don't think like I used to think, and I'm sure you don't either. Like, clearly God impacted you. He's real. What happened? I met Jesus, not from a book. I met Jesus not from a homily, not from what somebody told me. I met him one-to-one on a youth retreat that changed my life. And from that day on, I've never walked away. And I know he never walked away. And I've had so many experiences and personal encounters of his love, not from a book and not from a sermon and not, but one-on-one with him. It's that intimacy, that cultivating intimacy. And I heard him in my heart, not audibly, but just in the depths of my heart, this persistent call to go to the poorest of the poor and to, to quench his thirst for love and to bring the souls of the poor to their heavenly father. And I just want to challenge everybody that's listening. It, it, you know, there's a, the most important line in scripture, I think, is uh, in the Gospel of John. I'm a typical Catholic. I know it's in the Gospel of John, but that's it. It's somewhere in there. Look for it. Read the whole Gospel, and you'll find the line. And it said, Jesus only said what he heard the Father saying, and he only did what he saw the Father doing. And that's how we have to live our life. And I think we have to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to spend my time? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for your kingdom? And really listen. And that persisting, nagging thing, that thought that won't go away, that thing that keeps coming back, you should go to the abortion clinic on Saturdays and pray. You should get involved. You should be an extraordinary minister. You should go and start a youth group. You should go and pray with the guys in prison. You should go out to the homeless. You should, or, 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 Lord, how do you want me to spend my money? What can I do for the kingdom? And instead of saying, you know, oh, let me do some number crunching and budget, say, no, Lord, you do the number crunching. What do you want me to give? How do you want me to give? Step out in faith. Or, you know, ask the Lord what he wants. That's how Jesus lived. He did what he heard the Father tell him to do and what he saw the Father tell him to do. So every healing, every exorcism, every word he said, that was simply the Father's heart being poured out through Jesus and with Jesus to others. And that's how you and I are called to live, to listen and to respond, to obey, to do whatever he tells you. Who said that? Great lady, blessed mother. Michael Grogan. Michael Grogan joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Mike, I have just one more question for you. We're coming up at the end of the show. Probably have a couple minutes left. Do you have any fear? You're on the street. You're dealing, you're dealing with gang members. You're dealing with people who are addicted. Mike, let's face it. People who are addicted are capable of some pretty bad crap. Okay. Um, and, and, and a person might have a legitimate fear of being on the street. Do you have any fear? And if you do, like, how do you deal with it? I've been robbed. I went away because there was no heat in my house. I came back. There were three drug addicts living in my house. Everything was gone. Everything I owned was gone. I had to start from the beginning again. I've been robbed in the street. I had my cell phone stolen. I've had people come up to me and try to start fights. One day I was on the phone walking. I heard a gunshot and the bullet whizzed right past my ear. I felt the wind of the bullet whiz past me in the middle of the day, three o'clock in the afternoon, while kids were getting out of school. One night I was getting ready to go to mass. I heard 25 gunshots, four houses down from my house. Four people got shot. Thank God nobody died. Good thing they don't have good aim around here. Um, so a lot of people get shot, but luckily not all of them die. Um, and so, yeah, do I get scared? I get scared. I get nervous. I, I'm out in the street sometimes and people say, 
you're, you're, you're in the street, you walk in the street. I said, I didn't come here to hide in my basement. I'm not the president, I'm, you know, or I'm not Joe. I'm not <laughs> so I, I, I go out, yeah, I'm here to go out. And you know what, what gives me courage? What, when I get nervous and believe, believe now I have a little bit more confidence because the people in the neighborhood know me, that helps. But this, this, this rosary that I hold, that I pray, that I cling to, I walk, I keep it, I pray it. This rosary unceasingly in the street, I pray it, I cling to it, I hold it. The brown scapular, having Our Lady with me, going to Mass every day, that gives me confidence. We're all going to die. Um, I'm a little bit more in touch with that now since I've come here. I, I, I realize that one day something could happen. Um, do I get afraid? I do get afraid. But, you know, we have to push through with the grace of God. And Jesus has never, ever, ever abandoned me. And even in the times, even in the times where I got robbed, even in the times where, you know, all those things were taken from me, I got everything back. I got every pair of underwear. Thank, I didn't. I let them keep the underwear they stole. By the way, I got new underwear. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Michael, real quick, we're at the end. Mike, we're at the end of the show. I'm sorry, brother. Now, where could our audience members, and we would encourage them to, where could they find you and uh, and help you out? And uh, a little a little self a little giving, uh, helping out your ministry. Yes, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit how much, whether it's time, talent, or treasure, or a phone call, and go to connectwithheaven.org. Connect with heaven, all one word. dot org, and you'll see the website. You'll see the pictures. You'll be able to contact us. You'll see everything that's happening. Please go to the website and please share it with others. Yes, most importantly, please share with others. Michael Grogan, thank you so much for joining us here. Our friend at the front line with Joe and Joe. Always a great conversation. And God bless you and everything you're doing. Thank you so much, brother. Bless you guys. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Joe and Joe at the front line are spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And if you like what Joe and I do, please follow us on social media, primarily at the Frontline TV, the Frontline TV on YouTube. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.